summoned the Scream Writers Podcast, the premier podcast welcoming both veteran and up-and-coming horror screenwriters slaying their craft. <laughs> and now your hosts, Ariel Relaford and Patrick Mediate. Welcome to the Scream Writers Podcast. I am Patrick Mediate, New York in June on Twitter, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by the glorious Ariel Relaford, who has a social handle of her own, super complex social handle for Twitter. What's your, what is your handle again, Ariel? Ariel Relaford, which is super hard to I, you remember know, I'm having about. a hard time with it. I, I don't know what it is. It's just something about it. It's tough. Yep. It's very tough. <laughs> and you're you're a, you're a true star on Twitter. Oh, thank you. We've established this that you like no one knows more writers at least on Twitter. I mean like I wouldn't say a star like you don't have that blue check mark next to your no, name. Not you're yet. not that much of a star, <laughs> but in your own circles in like the scream writing circles, you are uh kind of a big deal. Oh my god, I'm flattered. I just I just like Twitter and like tweeting. That's that's uh, all. Every person that responds to one of our posts we put out, you you know them. You're like, oh yeah, I know yo Bob Joe, yo Bobby Joe, Bobby Joe Jane. <laughs> no, I know him. Yeah, I got it. Anyway, so yesterday I was like I was in a weird mood. I um I was working on an outline and I uh, I hit the dreaded wall, the rut, oh, no. the block. Mm. You know, it's never fun to like hit that wall. And I think it's not about hitting the wall because everybody is going to do it. We're all going to, you know, as writers, we're all going to be in that place where we get into a writer's block. But it's, I think, how you deal with that writer's block and that rut that makes all the difference and progresses you forward and moves you to actually come to benefit you in the long run. What do you do when you when you hit that wall? I'm just curious. I do two different things. The first being completely put whatever I'm working on down and forget it exists. Then later ideas will like pop into my mind with solutions for whatever I was working on. So I'll be like walking the dog and picking up poop. And then I'll be like, oh, I know how to fix that plot hole. And oh. that's just how my brain works. Okay. Poop. Hey, poop. <laughs> oh, there's poop. I I, yep. I, 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 got the, I got it now. I got it. I got yes. it. It's, it yep. it's, it's up there. Really though. Okay. And the other one is to work backwards. Work backwards to explain that a little bit. So like let's say you're working on act three and you know how it's going to end, but you're not really sure from like act two to act three how it's going to, you know, do that transition in the middle, how you're going to go through it. And so what I'll do is work backwards and go, okay, so they get here. What are the options here? Like what paths can they take to get to this spot and then continue on Hmm. until I have a solution? I like that. That's a really cool approach. I really, yeah. I really like that. I, I think everybody kind of has their own way to deal with the rut. You know, what I did yesterday was, and I and I like to do this a lot because I don't like it to ruin the momentum that I have. What I like to do is I actually go to another part of the script and work on that that's later on in the script where I have something that's already in my mind of what I want to, want to write there and I just write it, even if it's in Act 3. So that's what I did yesterday is I, I left it there And then I went all the way to act three and I worked on those moments towards the end of the script. Those just flowed. And then I'll come back at another time when the time is right. We'll know when it is. It'll just come to me when I'm walking around and then I'll come back to where I left off and address that issue. But it doesn't stop me from getting where I want to go. Yeah, that's That's a great way to do it. Yeah. We actually posed this question on Twitter 
through the week. And we got some really interesting responses. Should I read some of these? What of do you course. Think? Yes. I'm going to read some responses that we got for how others are dealing with their writer's block. Aaron Campos, you must know Aaron Campos at Aaron Campos 86. I know all, Patrick. You know all. So Aaron Campos says, I imagine a hedge fund manager crying fair share as a BS concept on cable news and a renewed vigor fills me with life. I think this was a very tongue-in-cheek, meant to yes. be funny comment. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, it works. It, you know, it works. But in a way, I mean, it doesn't matter what you kind of use as a distra- distraction. This is a joking thing. But like, I think the crux of it being you can find another distraction and sometimes that distraction, whether it's watching a horror movie or, you know, blending a smoothie or like whatever you do to get your mind set, it just resets you for the time and place. What else we got here? Uh, Reverend Maddie featuring, featuring Ludacris. This is, he's got a blue check next to his, his name. Do you know this person? At Reverend Maddie. I do. He has the famous blue check. I wonder mm-hmm. how he got that. We should we should figure this out. Uh, he he said, I closed the document, shut the computer, <laughs> hate myself, wait for the rut to pass, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Not like in an Aaron Sorkin way, rinse and repeat, as he as we Are all we know. Sure? We I think well, I don't know if we're completely sure. Maybe he's taking one, uh, you know, taking a tip from Aaron Sorkin. And as we know in previous episodes, Aaron Sorkin's way to get out of a rut is to take a shower, and he takes six showers a day, supposedly, from what he says. So I guess with each shower, he it's his like distraction, and then he comes back and is able to like write, you know, Act Three of Molly's Game or Two or whatever it is that he's writing. Um, but this is, this is an interesting one. Here we go. Raven Patton at Raven Patton. Uh, every time I get stuck in a rut, I take a walk. Something about the act of aimlessly heading nowhere lets my mind wander. And this free thinking association just sort of clears the way for solutions and ideas. That's a good one. That is. I like that. Very Zen. That's a Zen approach to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, teacup's back. Antique Teacup 13. We all love Antique Teacup 13. Teacup says, I show my project to other people, then switch projects. That's that's a good way to do it, too. Like, maybe, you know, uh, we show it to other people and they may have the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, well, hey, yeah. hey, uh, you, you you figure this out and, and, and get back to me and then you give me the answer. That's, that's a way to do it. And then go to another project and then by the time you get the answer on your Twitter, then you can just put that answer and that's that's semi-plagiarism but uh if you do it the right way and you <laughs> you hide it enough uh, we're all good and oh and the last one we have is guy crawford we love guy i mean he's just such a big supporter of us uh, yeah at screen murders uh, podcast so he says i walk through the french quarter and let voices from the past whisper in my ear this is cheating because you hear that's it, totally cheating this is unbelievable this is 100 <laughs> percent cheating because if you know guy crawford you know new orleans he has as a as a tool if all of us could be like living in the french quarter and go out every day and let ghosts of new orleans whisper you know script ideas in our ears we would all be (laughs) better off for it so guy that's cheating but still um we can't uh, fault you for it because it's just you just step out your door and listen to your spirits tell you the way Mm -hmm. yeah i just love hearing about all of these different ways to approach that dreaded rut. You know, if you've got uh, any ideas on how you approach that as well, definitely hit us up at Screenwriters PC. We'd love to hear um, how you overcome this hurdle. Um, but I think it's important to know 
for all screen writers out there that it just comes with the turf. If you're going to go and be a screenwriter, you are going to encounter a writer's block and you're going to have to overcome it and you're just going to have to be prepared for it. And I think it's just something we all got to deal with and it comes with the territory. Know what I mean? Yep. Anyway, today's guest is a doozy. I've been wanting to get this person on the show for a long, long time since I saw this uh, extraordinary horror film in 2020. His name is Damien Levesque. He's another jack-of-all-trades type. He's a producer, editor, director, and, um, of course, a scream writer as well. He's worked on projects ranging from uh, television. He did MTV's Dating Naked. I think it was in, it's on his resume. He was an editor on Dating Naked, which is kind of interesting. Um, so you can give get a sense of his diversity from there. He's a graduate from the prestigious USC School of Cinematic Arts in SoCal, and most recently has produced, written, and directed one of Shudder's scariest, hottest new properties, The Cleansing Hour. I love this movie. One of my favorite horror films of 2020, as I said before, and I think, Ariel, maybe you share this sentiment with me, that you yeah. loved this movie so much. Yeah, I do. Because I told you about not, it, and I'm like, you got to see this, yeah. and you just, you, it's not like conventional, right? It's like, no. in in the way that you would think. It's sort of like a cabin in the woods type. It starts one way, but then it has this great twist, and it turns into this this movie about technology and like has subversive themes and all this stuff. So it's so great. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. But yeah, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right into speaking with Damien. I know I speak on behalf of myself and our audience when I say we are so excited to have you here today. I right, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here and talking to you guys about it. I just want to start off and say the cleansing hour saw it Love it. I know Ariel uh, saw it as well recently. One of my favorite horror films this year, hands down. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yep. I'm flattered. Yeah, it just it just totally blew us away in its originality. You wrote this as a short, right? Back in 2016. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the journey of The Cleansing Hour and, and how it kind of went from the page to, well, now Shudder. It's on Shudder. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think a lot of it uh, sort of came from my background in unscripted TV. And, uh, you know, also my I've been working 15 years as an editor and just sort of a fascination with the power of editing and the way that it can manipulate people into thinking things that are real that clearly aren't. I, I, I love the idea that, you know, whenever people see a video online that's you know grainy and shaky and uh, it feels more verite, somehow feels more authentic. Then combine that with reality TV shows that convince people that, you know, these people in these shows are real when in fact most of them are scripted to some degree. So I, know, I just took those two ideas and combined it with my love for exorcism horror, which is my, one of my favorite subgenres. And I just thought, hey, what if there was a, what if there were uh, two guys that did this for a living? The short film was always meant to be a proof of concept for the feature. So, you know, the, the essence of the feature film was always there. Um, and it was just a matter of, you know, expanding it uh, from the short to the feature. Once it sort of took off, the short did very well and festivals and everything. What were your goals heading into it, the short film and the feature as a whole? The goal was to make a movie, to make a good movie and to get the best distribution deal that we possibly could. You know, it's, uh, there's, no, there's nothing easy or simple about, uh, about the process. I mean, it, it really is one of the most difficult things I've ever done. You know, independent filmmaking is not for the faint of heart, um, but... The goal was really just to make a movie and, uh, and, and, and make a really good movie that showed as much of me and my abilities as possible. You know, it's my fe- first feature film. 
and uh, it, it it certainly represents um, a landmark achievement in my in my life and career because it's one of the things I've been wanting to do since I was 12 years old. It feels very validating, honestly, to have finished it and for it to have been so well, well received. Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking a little bit about getting it done and what you went through and, and how tough it is to get something made and actually produced. Tell us a little bit about some hurdles that you may have encountered in that process. Uh, we've, all, we've all kind of going through it right now. Even veteran screenwriters are always going through it. I think it's the, the, the grind. Um, tell us a little bit about what you went through with the cleansing hour. Oh, man. Uh, take your pick. It's a grab bag of challenges. It was literally a challenge around every corner with every step. That's why I say it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done because there was literally nothing easy about the process. I mean, I can't even, I can tell you that there was something hard about every step of the way. You know, I spent two years putting together the financing of the movie, uh, you know, calling lots of different companies, financiers, distributors, uh, sales companies, um, and, you know, pitching the movie, it takes a while for people to get back to you. You know, you constantly, you know, that, that was a whole process. And then after a while, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to see if I can raise money myself. And, uh, that's eventually what I ended up doing. So my production company put together the financing for the movie and, um, we got to a point where, okay, we have enough money. We, we can actually, we have enough money to get through production. So, uh, we didn't even have all the money raised, um, whenever we went into production, but, Went into production. We shot for 19 days in Romania. You know that was a challenge too, because you're in a foreign country and you're uh, dealing with foreign crews and learning about you know how they work and 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 the communication is sometimes an issue too. Then came back. We had two days shot in LA and uh, you know post. We actually finished the movie pretty quickly. I think the first cut of the movie was done in October, and then we had it done by March, the following March. The movie was particularly challenging to make. I have, a, I have a tendency to aim very high with anything that I do. I enjoy a challenge, no matter what it may be. And this was not an easy movie to make because there were so many things in the production of it that take time and that are hard to do. So we, every day we had some combination of special makeup effects, blood gags, stunts, pyrotechnics. Uh, we had kids. Um, it was just, you know, we had a very compressed schedule every day because it took us an hour to drive to the studio from the hotel. So like that cuts two hours off of your day at the front of the tail. So you're technically only having 10 hours to shoot, um, with a lunch. I mean, it was just, it was just really, really brutal. But, um, I, I went into it. I had, uh, I had four weeks of prep and I, and I put as much legwork into making sure I was had a very specific idea for what I wanted so that there wasn't a lot left to question. Looking back on it, of course, there are things that I would do differently, but ultimately all the, all the prep work paid off and uh, I, I have a, a movie that I, I'm genuinely proud of. Did you originally want to just be a screenwriter or did you want to always be a director? I, I wanted to be the writer-director. The thing about it was, though, that you know, I've been writing for those 15 years that I've been in, you know, when working as an editor. Working as an editor has made me a better writer because, uh, especially working in unscripted TV, because you know, you go out and you shoot hundreds of hours of stuff, and then you have to come back and you have to compress it into 22-minute episodes for TV. Um, and in doing that, you learn so much about just storytelling because you have to only put on screen what's important to the narrative, to the story. During that time, it's made me a better writer, and then I finally got to a point where I felt like I had a screenplay that was worth me devoting three years of my life to, and uh, you know all the headache and turmoil and challenges, and uh, that was the cleansing hour. So that's why I eventually pursued it. 
So what is it like being able to have so much ownership over your screenplay and the direction you wanted it to take and how it's being represented? Um, well, I handled it pretty well, but you know, it is, I think that there is, there is a part of that that's a little bit intimidating uh, just because it is all yours. So you can't really overstate the importance of having an answer for every question. You have to be able to answer every question, no matter what somebody throws at you. So that means you really need to know what you want. And, you know, I think also my background in post-production really helped this a lot, quite, quite a lot too, because, um, you know, I'm always editing somebody else's stuff and wishing I had this shot or wishing I had this insert and, uh, you know, coming at this from an editorial standpoint, having edited the movie in my head, I never shot anything that I wasn't going to use. So um, it made me very efficient on set and um, it, it gave me even stronger ownership of it because I, I wrote the movie, I directed it, I produced it and I edited it. It's very much my baby and I'm very much my personality. A lot of it is woven into the story, the script and uh, even in the way that it was made. Yeah, with all the success that I see from Shudder, I think it has what, five skulls or something it's 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 yeah i mean immediate success and the minute i heard about it ariel you know who i heard about cleansing hour from was um robert uh carl ah yes yeah and uh, i saw him tweet about it oh, and i yeah, said yeah, well wow. yeah and and when he tweeted about it that's how i heard about it imagine how many other um writers and horror lovers um across the board heard about it through that one tweet and just boosted that up um but it, it just goes to show you um the the audience is rabid the time right now is so ripe for original horror and just again so glad that this came about how, how many screenplays did you write before you hit with the cleansing hour yeah i've you know i i read a lot of horror i i couldn't i couldn't tell you a count i really don't know but i mean um now i you know i have a lot more I have a lot more confidence in myself as a as a horror writer just because I've been doing it for a while. The next few movies that I have lined up are all horror. I mean, we've been talking uh, over the few episodes we've had thus far about um, how every screenplay you write up until the one that that will eventually hit is just another screenplay that will help you hone in that craft and that vision to to get you where you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are for screenwriters out there so many great resources today that. Um, that just weren't available a long time ago, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And I think the best advice is really just to keep doing it as much as possible. It's like anything else, the muscle, you can, you can flex it and learn and get better at it. It's like playing the piano, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into screenwriting, uh, specifically horror screenwriting? I, I just, because I've been such a fan of horror movies for so long and specifically, you know, specifically, movies that deal with, you know, supernatural or preternatural phenomena. I guess it was just a natural progression of, you know, going from that 12-year-old boy who wants to make movies to figuring out, wait, how do they do this? Oh, there's a script. Oh, we have to write something. Oh, okay. So it just, I don't know, it just kind of happened. I remember the very first screenplay I wrote when I was like uh, 12 or 13 years old. It was a class project. I think it was 12 pages long. And, uh, you know, it was a very, again, a very ambitious story about a guy who reverses gravity on the earth and, uh, uh, you know, a mad scientist, <laughs> you know, aiming high at 12, trying to do, you know, $100 million visual effects. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was just, uh, it just kind of happened. What films and screenplays inspired you along the way? 
Um, well, just because I've been I've been in the exorcism world for so long, Deliverance from Evil, The Exorcist, of course, is you know sort of like the original one uh, that, that everyone loves. Uh, exorcism of Emily Rose. Uh, those are all super influential to me. The Exorcist series, in fact, is all is is, is really really good. Um, but uh, you know, outside of that, you know, this also sort sort of deals with supernatural things. But you know, The Green Mile is one of my favorite movies. That is a movie that is so brilliantly written and so brilliantly directed and acted. Just everything the movie is a masterpiece, and it is truly one of my favorites. Another one that really has inspired me that's not horror at all, but is arguably one of the greatest screenplays ever written is Network. Um, and uh, if you've ever read Network, I mean, it's, it's just a masterclass in a perfect screenplay and perfect writing. It is just amazing. Uh, Patty Chayefsky, uh, who won the Oscar for it, I believe. So what's next for you? Um, you know, horror is is a world that clearly you love to play in and were, as an audience, um, really grateful for that and lucky for that. What's in your future? Do you, do you have anything you can talk to us about? Uh, anything brewing in development or that's uh, not so confidential? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually have a movie that I'm about to start pitching that I didn't write, but uh, is is I have developed with a writer um that the contained creature horror female driven creature horror takes place during a blizzard uh, mom is a former addict and nurse who keeps her daughter in a methadone induced fever locked behind a cage in her bedroom because she thinks that if she drops above or below a certain temperature threshold she turns into this monster uh and these two oh. kids break into the house looking for shelter and then they they learn very quickly that mom and daughter are not who they say they are and there's a monster in the house with them so it is uh, a class. It is going to be a amazing creature horror that's going to have 100% practical effects, and uh, I'm ex- I'm just super duper excited about it. Um, I have a uh, I have a uh, classic haunted house that I wrote that's adapted from a true story that's set against the uh, rural Irish countryside in in Connemara um, that I'm uh, also pitching as well. Really, I'm really excited about that one too. Oh, both sound Ooh. fantastic. Wow. Um, yes, I want to see them now. <laughs> yes, same here. Um, and I think our audience is going to be really jazzed about that, too. You know, you talk a little bit about your uh, the characters in some of your screenplays, especially in Cleansing Hour. How do you approach your process with a script like the Cleansing Hour? Do you start with the characters? Do you start with the um, the setting and the concept? How do you how do you begin delving into a screenplay? For me, I need to really be excited about the idea. Um, I need to have an enthusiasm for it. Um, and that is really what drives me. And then, you know, I need to have a character that I, I need to have a character that's driven as much as I am. So if my character is driven about something as much as I am, that makes it a lot easier for me to write because then you, you can more easily think of things to throw him or her to mess up their life. Um, so that's really how I get started. I recently wrote a, I recently wrote an action movie and uh, I love, I just love this idea so much because I've lived in LA for 20 years and I've, and I've also kind of gotten into the whole, you know, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like a loon, but like just the whole, the whole prepper thing is very interesting to me just because it's, you know, it's, it's practical, but it's sort of been maligned by the media and by TV shows sort of like paint these people as not jobs, but they're not. But I was thinking like, LA has got to be one of the worst places to be in the event of a giant natural disaster because 
the city is so sprawling, it's very difficult to get out of. So what do you do if there's if something happens? So I've always wanted to write a movie that like, sort of paints that picture and incorporates the whole prepper ideology into it. So I, I recently did that, and that was a lot of fun to write, too. Yeah, I would love for you to do that. I'm very much looking forward to that. I remember the the only film that comes to mind that did that um, in this very strange sense was Volcano. Do you remember that film yeah. with the volcano I and LeBray? Volcano it's... really well. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I just think of like natural disaster slash Los Angeles slash absolutely crazy concepts and think of Volcano. That's that's a good one. Um, a lot of fun. But this one is. This one is, uh, uh, you know, kind of taking, well, I really like character driven stories. So it's, it's, you know, kind of an examination of what happens whenever, like, if you were to take away all communication and all cell phones and all electronics, where does that leave us? And if you sort of like boil that down to interpersonal drama of a city block, what sorts of things are people keep people capable of doing in order, in order to survive that? And that's kind of what this movie is about and examines. I'm so with you there. Like, that's the first thing I do when <laughs> I approach my screenplays. I say to myself, how do we get rid of cell phones and everything <laughs> that's modern technology <laughs> and just go back to a time where things were, you know, you could just call the the uh, police or, you know, call this person or call a lifeline. You, you're kind of stuck. And um, I think that creates that claustrophobia. So I'm totally with you. One last question I have for you that I'm kind of curious about is working with your actors on set with the script that you wrote as the director. What was that experience like? Uh, you know, because you know this material so well. I'm, I'd imagine it would be very easy, much easier to do as directing your own screenplay in making the characters and the actors speak the way you wanted them to speak or perform the way you needed them to. Talk a little bit about that. I had the good fortune of, of working with some very talented actors on this movie, and that certainly is 80% of the job uh, of a director is having good actors. Um, so because of that, you know, I wasn't giving a lot of line readings or anything. Like They just really, really just got it. They were so into the story, and they were so into the characters that there wasn't a lot of you know, adjustment that needed to be made from take to take. Um, one of the things I do like to do, and, you know, actors will often ask me this, like, how do you feel about improv? How do you feel about, you know, like having a little bit of movement and flexibility with a line? I'm generally open to that as long as it stays with, stays on character. And as long as it doesn't somehow compromise a key plot point, you know, there were, there were times when we were filming that, you know, and one of them would ask me, Hey, can I say this instead? Or like, would he really do this? Or would he really do that? And I had to be like, well, actually, we have to leave it this way because of this thing that happens later. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. So, you know, like the because they're very much living in the moment, you know, the actors living in the moment of their scene and of their character. I have to have the entire movie in my head and be able to jump forward or jump backwards um, in, in terms of the context of that moment. So um, that's that's that was my experience working with them. Did you make a lot of edits on site? Most of everything that's, that's on screen, with a few exceptions, is uh, in the script. There are a few great there are, there are a few great improv lines that I that I think are so much fun. So spoiler alert for anybody who's listening. Whenever Chris comes out of the bathroom uh, because he was seeing a demon in the bathroom, and uh, the demon on set, the demon says Nancy Drew will tell us their names, and then Drew says you shut the f up. And the way that he delivered that was so <laughs> hilarious. It cracked me up every time I watch it. And he just he, and he just he just did that himself, and I thought it was it was really fun. 
I can't stress enough how cool it is to be able to follow your initial screenplay through to its conception, and uh, it turned out phenomenally. So uh, again, yeah. I speak on behalf of our entire um, audience listening. Thank you so much for writing this and making it and sharing it with the world, um, and for coming on the show today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, and I, you know, I I got a lot of help getting to the point that I am now, and I want to be able to do the same thing for anybody else. So people can always hit me up on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Damien Levesque and, uh, you know, send me a message, you know, love to say hi. And so ends another episode of the Scream Writers Podcast. We're still in season one. I'm not leaving season one, Ariel, as much as you have begged me and said, I need a break. I can't go any further. I am exhausted. We are not doing it we will be here for a little (laughs) bit longer i mean well obviously we can't go to like episode you know in the 400s or whatever we will eventually have to take a break so be prepared that we 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 can't keep going like this forever but for the time being we have uh, a few more great guests lined up we've got a few more great shows for you so please don't go anywhere but in the meantime while you're waiting for that next episode next friday you can join us on the social nets and hit us up we're everywhere now we are everywhere including everywhere. outside of your window everywhere we I are do. we are everywhere under the bed and in the closet in the bathroom <laughs> That's just getting really scary. <laughs> but we are everywhere. So where can everyone find us, Ariel, on these social networks? You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like Twitter, you can find us at Scream Writers PC and on Instagram at Scream Writers Podcast. And if you have any questions or want to be on the show, visit ScreamWritersPodcast.com and fill out our contact form. Until next time, keep writing. And stay scared. Stay scared.